0: Amen. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, um, I took some time away, as I, as I do periodically, um, to just spend some time in reading and prayer and planning, just some time with the Lord. And, and I brought with me a little book that I found on my bookshelf at home. I had And, and I love to collect old books, right? I love these old-time authors. And um, this this book was entitled... A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life. A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life. How many of you, if you went into a bookstore and saw a book by that name, would say, oh, that's the book I want to read? Right? I don't think anybody would print a book with that title today, right? But it was written by, um, by a man named William Law in 1729, and the reprint I had was reprinted exactly the way it was printed in 1729, even with some little quirky things in there. But the whole book is really a call to live our lives in complete dedication to Christ. And I found, like, I didn't get through the whole book, at least not yet, but the book um, really really was, was, was written as a great challenge to Christian people, even in his day, um, sometimes, I mean, sometimes the author, he kind of ruffled one's feathers a little bit, like, come on, what are you talking about? And although it was written so long ago, I was reminded that the principles of Scripture stand from generation to generation. Amen? And central to his theme, just kind of like inserted in like one of the early chapters was 1 Corinthians 10.31 which began to ring in my ears and my heart as I would go for a walk, as I would pray, as I would just kind of kind of think through um, this coming year. And I just couldn't get away from the words from 1 Corinthians 10.31, where the Apostle Paul writes this, and you don't need to turn, it'll be on the screen or come up on your screen at home, where Paul writes, so whether you eat or drink, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let me read again. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, say it with me. Do it all for the glory of God. Now, you see, Paul was writing about in in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul was writing about whether or not a believer was free to eat meat that had been offered to idols. But as he wraps up this section, he does so with a principle for the Christian life. And rather than come up with a, with, a, with a list of rules and regulations, Paul gives to the believers a guide by which they were to judge all that they decided to do or not to do. Now listen, the people in Corinth, they would have been so much happier if Paul said, yes, you can eat the meat, or no, you can't eat the meat, right? It would have made life so much easier for them. But instead, Paul comes up with this principle where he says, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You see, the question that William Law in his book was trying to answer. And that Paul was trying to answer for the Corinthians and that we must answer today is this. What is the overarching principle by which we are to live our lives as followers of Jesus? What's the call of the Christian life and what what ought to be or how how do we know whether or not we're living the way God would have us to live as we navigate our way through all of the choices that life brings our way? And today. Our, our, our choices, our options, yeah, they're different than they were in Paul's day. But like in Paul's day, we find ourselves faced with so many options, areas in life that the Bible is not always so specific about. Like, you know, for, for, for years, Christians in our churches we're dealing with, well, can a believer go to the movies? I remember sitting in, in my Sunday school class as a kid when we first came to an Assembly of God church. And the Sunday school teacher telling us, "Don't go into the movie theater. The devil's in the movie theater." I had already been to the movies with my Jewish grandmother, and Mary Poppins was there. I didn't find the devil there, you know. But 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 those kind of things come up, and rather than come up with a list of rules and regulations, Paul points to this very basic principle of Scripture that everything we do in life ought to be done. For the glory of God. You know, I know many of us, we may not know some of the the catechisms and and from 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 some of the more liturgical churches from the past, but I love what the Westminster Catechism has as its very first point. The very first point of the Westminster Catechism is this: man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I mean, don't you think that's something we ought to teach in our churches? That we ought to be teaching our children from the start that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. In other words, we were created to bring glory to God by living our lives in constant relationship with him. The goal for which we were created is the glory of God, that somehow our lives would magnify him, exalt him and lift up his name. So what does that mean for us today? How does this look? What, what does this look like for us as we live our lives as Christians today? And how can we live our lives in such a way that whatever we do will bring glory to God? And I think the first thing is, is this, and, and William Law in his little book, he spends a lot of time talking about this. I'm just kind of kind of try to shrink it down for us today. But the first thing is this. We need to begin to realize that there is no such thing as the sacred versus the secular. I know that sounds weird to us. There's no such thing as the sacred versus the secular. That is, when God created our world and when he created mankind, he created it all as one unit. We were created with body, soul, and spirit. Our world was one. Our lives were one. Our beings were one. But we, have, we, we all have the tendency to divide our world and our lives into the spiritual or the sacred and that which we call the secular. We've created divisions in our minds to the degree that certain parts of our lives are spiritual and the rest is what we might call of this world, or at least the natural functions of living in this world. And too often the two never meet. What do I mean? Well, you know, we have our times of prayer, our morning devotions. We do ministry. We, we go to church like we are today. Today and so forth, and these are what we we deem the spiritual parts of our lives wherein we we take time to focus upon God and our relationship with Him, and it it becomes somewhat God-focused, and we need those times. But then we have our times with our families at home or we go to work and we have the entertainment that we pursue and so forth. And all of those things are deemed as the secular part of our lives, the stuff of this life, the stuff of this world. And, and when we're involved in those things, too often God gets left in the dust. We have no thought about God in our home, in our, in our work, our we're putting on Netflix or whatever it is. We see, this, we see this, first of all, in the way we've created division between, between work or professions. You know, we have in our minds the clergy versus the laity, you know, the pastors, missionaries, evangelists, people who have made the ministry their profession, like myself. And then there's everyone else's work, you know what I mean? And so the clergy, as we call them, they do the spiritual work so, so, so that it's expected that everything they do, at least in their work, is to be for the glory of God, and as Paul would go on to write, and for the good of the many. And their work is the, is the really spiritual work, right? And let me just say that there is a special calling associated with giving one's life to the pastorate as an evangelist, as a missionary, and so forth. Remember when Kim and I were first getting, we first got engaged, and through our whole engagement year, I was constantly reminding Kim listen, you're marrying a pastor. Right. And so our life is going to be a different kind of life. I can't promise you will ever own a home or or whatever it is. I can't promise you exactly where we're going to be. And that 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 being in, in a pastor's home, marrying a pastor is going to affect her and our family throughout all of life. And so, yeah, there is something different about that. Some there is a special calling. But here's the problem. Then we talk about the laity. That all other professions are then left in this other category that are then subject to one's choice. And all these other means of work can be used for all kinds of other purposes. Now listen, if you find out a pastor is doing what he's doing so he can accumulate wealth and and, and gain fame and, and, and prove himself as some great man, we'd all say, ah, that's not the kind of pastor we want, right? And yet everyone else in their work, even within the church, is allowed to use their work for the accumulation of wealth, obtaining power, the ability to spend what one makes on their own pleasures, achieving recognition and so forth. One's work in the laity becomes about oneself. You know, there's an old word, I may have mentioned this before, but there's a word that we don't use too often today. And that's the word vocation. Have you heard that word? Vocation, you know what vocation means? It means a summons or a calling to a profession. That is, one's work is not just about finding a job or some sort of suitable work that will help us live at the standard we want to live at. But when we use the word vocation, we're, we're meant to see our work, whatever it is, maybe wherever God has placed us, whatever doors God has opened for us, we see it as a calling God's calling upon our lives and as a means of bringing glory to God. And so whether you're a pastor or a teacher, an accountant or a truck driver, a mechanic, a laborer, a lawyer, whatever you do is meant to be done for the glory of God. That is, God ought to receive glory somehow through your work, whatever it may be, whether you're clergy or laity, however you want to divide it up. I think of the parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 12. You don't need to turn there. You can just listen. Luke chapter 12, Jesus says this. Well, the scripture says this, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there i will store surplus grains and i'll say to myself you have plenty of grain laid up for many years take life easy eat drink and be merry but god said to him you fool this very night your life will be demanded from you then you will then who will get what you've prepared for yourself And jesus says this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards god You see, rather than seeing what he had and what his work had accomplished for him as a a, a means of bringing glory to God, this man saw all of it as a means of having more for himself and securing the kind of future that he wanted for himself. Listen, he may have been a very spiritual man when it came to going to the synagogue and praying the prayers and making the sacrifices. He may have been a well-respected man within the community, maybe known as what we would say today, oh, a good Christian man. But he had allowed there to become a division within his life. His work, his profession had become a means of glorifying himself rather than bringing glory to God. And in the end, he would have to pay the price for such a life. I just want to make a little side note here for us, and and please don't take this wrongly. But maybe we need to be careful, church, not to over-celebrate our young people who feel called to entering full-time or career ministry. Yes, it's a special calling, and we want to help them, and we want to bless them. But the message that we can end up sending to the other young people is that their professions are less of a calling. That they can go on to live their lives for personal, even selfish reasons, rather than, than the purpose of bringing glory to God through their studies and through their work we need to applaud all of our young people and pray for them and say to them listen whatever whatever doors God opens for you whatever calling you feel upon your life use it for the glory of God use it for the glory of God and so all of our work whatever our profession is whatever your profession is is meant to bring glory to God whatever work you might be doing see but sometimes we create these divisions but as well we 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 end up creating divisions in our life right between our life activities. Without even thinking about it, we tend to segregate our life activities activities into these categories again the spiritual or sacred and the secular or the personal and so on the one hand yeah again we 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 may have our our times of bible reading and devotion and our times of prayer our times of worship you know we go on a mission trip we we bring our our tithes and offerings to church we even give to people in need and we do these things somehow hopefully with god in mind our relationship with christ hoping You know, that maybe in some way we might honor him. But then we enter into the rest of our life's activities. And we have to ask ourselves, church, have we left God out? Have we left him in the dust? Are we in any way bringing glory to God through them? I mean, what about the ways in which we we live within our homes, with our families, how we treat our spouses, how we speak to our children? Do we bring glory to God in our homes? What about how we interact with the people around us on the job or in the neighborhood, maybe even that person who seems to get under our skin? Is God receiving glory by the way we interact? What about the pleasures into which we indulge ourselves or the entertainment we allow ourselves? Can we just put God in a box on the shelf and, and, and forget that our, about our relationship with Christ and just enjoy whatever comes over the screen or comes through the earbuds? Is it okay to indulge in whatever pleasures or entertainments we like? Is is God able to receive glory? Or maybe for some of us, it's just the opposite. Listen, like the Apostle Paul, the answer is not making up a list of rules and regulations for the Christian life. The church has tried that in the past, and it hasn't worked. We've just fallen back into legalism. And some of you would like to come to me and say, Pastor, just give me the rules, right? Right? You see, the answer is to adopt the principle laid out for us in Scripture. Whatever you do. Do it all for the glory. Of God. And thus, we must ask ourselves on whatever we do. And it's hard, church, it's hard. But we have to ask ourselves, Will this bring glory to God? Is God being lifted up? Is God being magnified? Is God being exalted in my life through what I'm doing, through what I'm saying, how I'm responding, how I'm interacting? Or is it possibly just the opposite, that I'm defaming the name of God? Listen, when we don't live this way, we end up with good Christians, as we might call them, whose homes are filled with conflict who are self-centered and selfish, who are materialistic, even greedy, who are pleasure-oriented, who are living their lives like the rest of the world. Rather than living for the glory of God, they're living their lives for themselves. Oh, they may give a couple of hours a week to God or to a handful of spiritual activities, but the rest of their life is totally disconnected from the spiritual. And I want to say to us, God never intended that there would be any kind of division within our lives between the spiritual and the secular, but rather all of our lives it ought to be, is meant to be an act of worship, bringing glory to God, whether we're in church or in the supermarket, having our devotions or on our jobs, in prayer or watching a movie. Everything is to be done for the glory of God. Well, Okay, so, Pastor, what does that mean? How do I actually do that, you know? Like, how do I live that out? It all sounds so good, but come on, how do you put that into practice? Because after all, talking is one thing, action is another, is it not? And so, again, you want me to come up with, I know, today it's like, you know, you read all these articles, right? Right, five ways to lose weight, you know? Five ways to get strong. Five ways to live for the glory of God, you know? Let me take us to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Where the Apostle Paul says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Notice how Paul instructs us to, first of all, have a renewal of our minds, a complete renewal or change in the way we think as we lay our lives down before God and allow his Holy Spirit to begin to do his work within us. You see, as our minds are renewed, the holy spirit comes it begins to shift our way of thinking he begins to for one he begins to change our focus for rather than focus on ourselves and our desires our focus shifts to god and his desires we're looking to god and to his pleasure and honor rather than to ourselves and our own again going back to 1 corinthians chapter 10 paul was discussing the eating of meat offered to idols. And everyone in the church had their opinion. Everyone was trying to make their point. Everyone was trying to justify their decision, what they were doing or weren't doing. And it was all about self. This is what I think. But Paul, in essence, says to the church, get your eyes off of yourself. Focus on what's best for others. And most of all, focus on what you can do to bring glory to God. Jesus said this because this is really what it comes down to. Listen, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Oh, listen, church, if we're going to glorify God. Our whole focus needs to change. We need to begin to enter somehow into a life of self-denial, realizing our lives are not our own. Our lives, it's not about ourselves, but we, we give ourselves to God for his sake, not simply for what we can get for him. And all that we do or don't do is about honoring the one whom we say we serve. In fact, in fact, even our bodies, the Bible says even our bodies are no longer ours just for our own pleasure, our own our, our own well-being, just kind of feed the flesh, you know, make yourself feel good. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, you're not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God in your body. Conchurch, it's a whole change in focus that this body is not about myself and the good feelings I can get or how, you know, I can look and, you know, and so forth. But it's about taking this body and using it in ways that would honor God, that would glorify him. And listen, I'm not going to go off on a side tangent, but you know what? In the church for a long time, we've talked about, oh, you know, don't smoke, don't drink because, you know, those things are bad for your body. Honor God with your body. And we've talked about, you know, sexual relationships, honor God with your body. But we also maybe need to talk about other things that we eat and drink and what we do and don't do with our bodies, right? Well, we won't get into that today, okay? I don't even want to go there because you'll pick on me and I'll pick on you, you know? But a change in focus. My life, even my body, is not about myself. It's about him. As Paul talks about this, he's talking about renewing our minds that would bring about really a change in purpose. For Paul lays out the purposes and goals of a Christian life that would be holy and acceptable to God. Don't you want to be acceptable to God? is holy before him, spiritual worship, not just going through routines, outer worship, but spiritual worship, doing the will of God, knowing what the will of God is. Listen as we lay down our lives before God. We're doing so, understanding that all that we are, that all that we do, is 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 about His purposes for our lives, pleasing Him and worshiping Him and fulfilling His will for our lives and for our world. The whole purpose by which we live our lives it, 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 it's changed. No longer are we are we are we just out to get more stuff for ourselves, become noted for greater achievements, experience greater pleasure, have more power, whatever it might be, but rather our whole purpose for being, for living, for doing is to bring honor and glory to God's name. That when someone sees our lives and the way we live, they'd say, wow, God has made a change. It's amazing what God can do. Peter Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, verse 12, I just kind of find this to be a really interesting verse where he says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. See, Peter was writing to a church that was hated, even being persecuted by those Gentiles of whom he writes. They were those people out there who didn't really like these Christians. But he calls the church to good deeds so that in the end, their lives would point to Jesus and to God the Father who had sent him to be the Savior, and that someday they too would glorify God. And our lives ought to be such, ought they not, that even those who are against us might one day be brought to a place of bringing glory to God. Jesus said this in John 15:8. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Oh, come on, church, that we would be be, be people who would bear much fruit. That people would know that we are disciples, we're followers of Jesus by the fruit that's coming out of our lives. Because you see, Jesus says, when, when we bear good fruit, when we bear much fruit, God is glorified. God is glorified. And then John 17, verse 4, Jesus, in his final prayer, he says this. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I glorified you, this is Jesus. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Oh, that when we would get to the end of our lives, that we too would be able to say, God, God. I've accomplished the work you gave me to do. For when we do, God the Father is glorified. And so what does it mean to live a life that in whatever we do glorifies God? How does it get lived out? All I can say is this from from the word here, from Romans 12, that it comes by means of a daily surrender to God wherein our minds are renewed time and again day after day so that our focus is shifted off of ourselves and towards the God whom we serve and we are in the whole purpose of our life even our purpose for that day is changed listen you're not going to be able to live your life for the glory of God i'm not going to be able to live my life for the glory of God by just praying a prayer today and then Moving on in life. But each day, each day I need to be able to pray, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Each day, church, we say, Lord, this day I'm about to live. And everything I do this day, every interaction I have, every word that comes out of my mouth, whether I'm in the supermarket or I'm sitting with my family watching a movie, or I'm in church or I'm in my private time and my devotions, but everything I do today, Lord, it's all about you. And it's all about your glory. Listen, that doesn't mean we 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 can't like enjoy life. It doesn't mean we can't can't have fun. You can't go on vacation. Going back to William Law and his, his little book, he says, oh, some people, some people would say, oh, that's too hard. It's too austere. He goes, listen, God's created you. God's created you to be in relationship with him. And when you maintain that relationship, you begin to enjoy everything in your life in a new and fresh way. Right, as the Westminster Catechism sa- says, that our purpose, we, 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 we've been created to, 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 to bring glory to God and to enjoy our relationship with him. And I can't help but believe that if we would take this kind of posture on a daily basis, that our relationships in our homes and with those around us would become quite different that the way we respond to those who attack us and devalue us would be quite different, that the way we approach our work and the resources it brings into our lives would radically change, that the entertainment and the pleasures we allow ourselves, well, they might become quite different, for all of life would change as we begin to live our lives for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31. Maybe Brother Yanni in the back, if you could just bring it back up on the screen there. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, say it with me. Do it all for the glory of God. Come on, I don't hear you. Do it all for the glory of God. And so each step of the way, we have to pause and ask ourselves, will this thing I'm about to do, will the words I'm about to speak, will, will the way in which I respond, will this, this thing I'm going to post on my Facebook wall or Instagram, will this thing I'm about to indulge myself in, will it in any way bring glory to God? Or may it do just the opposite. May our prayer today and our posture become such that we might offer our lives to God today and each day. Saying, Lord, today I pray. Lord, I pray that whatever I do, would bring you honor and glory. the Honor and glory that you so deserve. May my life today magnify you, not only in my heart and mind, but in those around me. Be glorified, Lord. Be glorified. Be glorified here at the church. Be glorified in my home. Be glorified in the way I treat my wife, my husband, in the way I speak to my children. Be glorified, God, in the way I do my work as a teacher, as a mechanic, as a truck driver, as a lawyer, as a pastor whatever it is, cleaning houses on that construction site with the resources that I I gain in hand. Be glorified, God. Let it not be about myself. Let it not be about what I can gain. Let it be about you, oh God. Your honor, your glory. Magnifying your name. Church, come on right now. Pray your own prayer. As you offer yourself. We sang it earlier. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. We deny ourselves. We lay down our lives, God. Forgive us for how often we've made our lives about ourselves. Forgive us for creating these divisions in our lives so that we are good Christians when we come to church, but we kind of leave You in the dust when we leave. Lord, today, we lay down our lives. We say, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. Your will be done on earth, in my life, in my home, in my workplace, in my times of pleasure, in my times of rest glorified, God. Father, just pray for your people right now. Maybe there's someone out there who doesn't really know you the way I've been almost speaking about. Um, knowing you, assuming that we know you. Maybe there's someone you're drawing to yourself today to let them know that you love them. And God... The things of this life will never satisfy. And for sure, the things of this life will never save. For all of this life is just a passing moment, a breath. One day it'll all be gone. The only thing that will count will be our relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And that which we've done for your sake, for your glory, for your kingdom. God, if there's someone out there maybe for the first time reaching out to you today, God, just draw them to yourself. Touch them, minister, pour grace upon them. For others here today, we lift our lives to you. And we do say, as we sang earlier, we surrender all to you. God, we pray today and we're going to pray again tomorrow and the day after that. Not our will, but your will be done. Lord, we pray that whatever we do would bring you honor and glory, the honor and glory that you so deserve. Forgive us for the times when we've we've done just the opposite. But we're praying today for the ministry and the help of your Holy Spirit that as we lay down our lives as living sacrifices before you, that your Holy Spirit would come and would help us and empower us and remind us over and over again of your word and how it is we are to live. And God, I pray that something radically new would take place in our lives, even, even within the church as a whole, as we take our eyes off of ourselves and we put our eyes on you. We commit ourselves to living for you, for you alone, for your honor, for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, church. In just a moment. There's gonna be some information that will come up on the screen here. There'll be that text message number. You can send your prayer request. Also some information about the, you know, that you can contact the church and see what's going on, but as well, if you need someone to reach out to you and pray with you, you can contact us through any of those means. Why don't you stand together as Pastor Gilead leads us and the team lead us and one more song and then Pastor Gilead you'll close us. Thank you.